Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind our favorite games. On today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the game Flick'em Up. Flick'em Up is a Western-themed dexterity game designed by Gaetan Beaugenot and Jean-Yves Montpertuis and published by Pretzel Games in 2015. Flick'em Up is for 2-10 to 10 players and a typical game takes 30 minutes to play. The theme of today's episode is famous shootouts and duels of the Wild West. Enjoy the episode! Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Mike Riemann. And I'm Spencer Campbell. And this is Beyond the Board, and we're going Beyond the Board. God, that's what we're doing today. <laughs> we are. Uh, there is no board in this game. Yep. That's true. Uh, I guess the game that we're talking about today is Flick 'em Up. Exactly. Reach for the Sky. Reach for the Sky. The Gray Fox. There's the guy a... that we talked about a long, long time ago that's in right. our, what was it, Colt Express episode? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Except he was a, he was, he was pretty famous at... Tr- train bank, robbing. Yeah, train yeah. robbing more than... I guess he did some bank robbing, yeah. too, but... But, yeah, this is this is all about shootouts and not so much being polite. That's right. You can't be polite in a shootout. Flick 'em Up is an interesting game because, like Mike said, it really is beyond the board. There's no board here. This is a three-dimensional Wild West town that you are building, and then it is a... It's a dexterity-based game. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the first dexterity-based game that we've talked about on the podcast, too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we've got a couple in the works, but yeah, this is the first one we're actually talking about. Yeah. And what they mean by dexterity-based game uh, is that you actually physically are are doing a skill that involves I guess, dexterity. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 you're more or less recreating aspects of the physical actions that the characters in the game are doing. So rather than rolling dice or playing cards to resolve things... In this case, you have little wooden meeples, little wooden (laughs) figurines that represent the lawmen and the outlaws, and they're going to be placed around your tabletop with all the buildings, and depending on the scenario you're playing, and then there's these little gray discs, and you're lining people up, and you're flicking these discs around, and that's essentially recreating the bullets that are are being shot around, and that's the dexterity-based part of the game, is lining up your shots and getting good at, like, Getting the speed and distance right and everything like that. It's like the Wild West paper football, but you don't have a paper football, you've got these little discs. And the coolest part, and he, he mentioned your entire town being set up, it's you have 3D buildings, and you think about the old Wild West Hollywood movie scenes to where it's almost like just the front of a building. It's mm-hmm. kind of what you're doing, and you're setting all these up in a little town. you got little barrels, little haystacks, little uh, like corral kind of uh, sticks and you just you actually build a town based on the different scenarios in this book that they have. <clears throat> it's really a fun game, and it's it actually is for up to ten players mm-hmm. because it's two teams of fives. There's five lawmen and five outlaws that are part of the different scenarios. And if you get a big crowd together sitting around a table, everyone kind of takes control of one of the figurines. It gets really intense and super exciting because you you're then like devoted to your figurine, and you're like working <laughs> with the team to figure out. Okay, where should I go next? Should I go and try and dash behind that barrel and take cover, or do I take this risky shot and see if I can take down that all that that outlaw before he gets the Winchester or something like that? Uh, it, it, it's really easy to start slipping into like a southern accent oh, yeah. or like a western accent, which is a lot of fun. You get really into the game. But that being said, it's also really fun as a two-player game mm-hmm. uh, because you do control those five outlaws or five lawmen each, um, and it's it's really neat. It's pretty simple mechanics that. Even basic gamers or beginning gamers can play the game. 
Uh, but everybody from experience to beginning gamers can enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. it's pretty straightforward. Flick them up. Yeah. And you put a little place and thing, you put your little <laughs> figurines down, and you start flicking things around. It's pretty simple. Uh, and uh, and since we are talking about shootouts in Flick Em Up, mm-hmm. we figured we'd actually talk about shootouts in the real Wild West and what those were like. And if there's anything that Spencer and I <laughs> love, love talking about, love talking about, it's it's definitely the Wild West. And if we could find another game that lets us talk about it, we're sure gonna play it. We're gonna find it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're gonna talk about. A couple famous shootouts, because shootouts like this did happen in the Wild West. And then we're going to we're gonna kind of walk you through some of the more famous ones. And some of these might be, one of them in particular might sound very familiar, because it's been depicted in multiple movies and things like that. But one of the running themes that you'll, we'll kind of talk about here is that the way that shootouts and duels were depicted in the movies and the, like the dime novels and everything like that is a little bit different than how it went down in, in the real Wild West. Mm-hmm. So where should we start, Mike? Uh, I think we should start with the OK Corral gunfight. Okay. And I think a lot of people have heard of the OK Corral, down at the OK Corral, mm-hmm. or something, but they never necessarily know what it's about. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually know what the OK Corral was. I never actually seen Tombstone mm-hmm. or Wyatt Earp or any of those movies. I, I know you love knew. Tombstone. <laughs> so in anticipation of a, a Deadlands campaign that I was going to run, I have a friend who's super into Westerns, and so he gave me a big watch list, and Tombstone was on that list, and I watched it and loved it. And it's it's essentially the story of what we're about to tell right now, of the Earp brothers and their feud with the cowboy gang. So let's... Let's paint the scene. How did this How did this all get started? Where is the OK Corral? Well, it's in Tombstone, which is the name of the town in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about 1881, specifically October, if we want to get really specific. I, I think the only reason I put down the October part is because another thing we're talking about also happened in 1881. So it was just a great year for shootouts <laughs> in general. Uh, but this, this, this shootout, if you've heard about it, or to give you a little bit of a peek of what's coming ahead is between the Earp brothers. You might have heard of Wyatt Earp. He's a very he's a pretty famous like a, a legendary figure of the Wild West as this lawman in a lot of ways. Um, a strong strong characteristic or a strong character from the the times. So it's him and his brothers versus a gang called cowboys, but in this instance cowboys actually was a, a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It it didn't mean what we think about when we think about cowboys today, which is like ranchers and cattle hands and things like that. Cowboys at the time were rustlers and horse thieves and cattle thieves and things like that. Terrible men, those cowboys. They were they were no good, no good. <laughs> so they were they were ultimately the outlaws either way. They were the ones who were just breaking the law just a little bit. Right. So the uh, the Earp family basically, the yeah. Earp brothers, they uh, they used to be obviously lawmen like Spencer was saying, and they decided to basically hang up their badges and. Um, Try to settle down. And yeah. so they settled down in Tombstone. Right. And they, Except for Virgil. Except for Virgil. Who had just been appointed a marshal in the county where Tombstone was. And so his office was in Tombstone. So he was there with the intention of being a lawman. Wyatt was like, I'm done with this sort of thing. He had been working in like Dodge City and various other places. He worked with Bat Masterson, who I think we mentioned as mm-hmm. well in our previous episode. And he, he was ready to leave all that behind. But Virgil's like, all right, well... I'll have my brothers here with me while I act as, you know, a marshal of the area. Uh, so the Earp brothers go to Tombstone, and then they also bring their buddy Doc Holliday along. 
right. who decides to to just tag along. Another and, famous Wild West vacation. <laughs> exactly. And Tombstone is a beautiful, like a pretty pretty big town. It's a beautiful town. They've got bowling alleys, opera houses, restaurants. I was surprised because you don't really get that side of it too much in the movie. Yeah. But it was a there was like seven thousand people in its in its peak. That surprises me. Yeah. Like whenever you think of Wild West towns, you think of like one main strip. Yeah. Maybe, and then like maybe a little ranch out a little further. Right. <laughs> or and something. From what from what I was reading, there were over a hundred saloons <laughs> in Tombstone alone. So like It's not this the was a, saloon right. that you go to. It's You it's had a, your choice. <laughs> you had your favorite. Uh so yeah, they moved there in nineteen seventy nine, so a couple years before the actual event happened. They all had some experience with being either soldiers or lawmen, and Doc Holliday was this famous gambler but also had a reputation for being a gunfighter. He had actually been in some gunfights and had, like, recorded kills already by the time he had gone to Tombstone. But he was also very sick. Um, And he was slowly dying. I think it was tuberculosis that was slowly killing him throughout this entire process. But (laughs) being the Wild West, he was a hard, hard man and refused to be taken down by the disease and was like, sure, I'll go down there. And actually... They chose Tombstone, or he chose to go along with, because the weather was supposed to be good for his sickness, that dry weather. That dry, dusty weather. Yeah, exactly. That's great <laughs> for you. Uh, so in April of that same year, 1881, uh, there was actually a law put into place in Tombstone that required anybody with knives, pistols, rifles, or anything to be deposited um, in a saloon or a livery or something to just basically keep the peace. And the idea is so you won't have these sporadic shootouts or anything. You uh, which weren't is, allowed to walk yeah. around with guns strapped to your side, like which is what we usually think of when we think of the Wild West. Yeah. Everyone's packing heat all the time. But I guess it makes sense it, since the city is so big. Right. Yeah, because if it was one of those small little towns, you'd be like, eh, I'm not going to do that. I'll just go to the next town. Right. But it's such a big city that, yeah, I can imagine that's probably a pretty strict law. Yeah, so this this law, it's important, Mike, mentioning it like this, because this is going to be the catalyst that causes some problems in the future. Mm -hmm. So basically, the Cowboys is this this gang that is causing trouble in Toonstown. They've been causing trouble for a long time, and there's repeated incidences that they have in Tombstone and also against the Earp brothers uh, over time that causes a lot of tension between these two groups. And Virgil is... You know, he's he's trying to act as town marshal, and he's getting really nervous that his brothers are also having troubles with this gang. And so they're trying to figure out, well, it, it, it eventually is going to have to come to a head because there are these notorious gang, you know, this notorious gang openly being cruel and mean to the people of Tombstone and to the Earp brothers. Mm-hmm. And it, it leads up to some trouble. So these cowboys started carrying weapons around, like brazenly going against everything. Uh, and so the Earp brothers realize that this is a problem, and they're just trying to settle down peacefully in this town. Right. And and they realize they might have to really interfere and get in the way of this. And they didn't want to because they were just hoping that they could spend the rest of their days and maybe spend time with their dying friend. Right. <laughs> and Wyatt Earp actually, I think it was two different cowboys. He pistol whipped them, having seen them carrying guns around to try and take them down. And so... While these cowboys were being kind of taken down, they were quickly trying to move forward and get some legal action, like get a judge ready for like actually pu- punishing these people for for what they were doing. And that rumor spread very quickly that that was going on, and so more cowboys rode into town 
also actively carrying guns on them. And so you have this increased presence of violent cowboy gang, and they're all carrying their guns freely at this point in time. Mm -hmm. It just escalated really quickly with, with with, obviously, stuff getting out. Yeah, and so there's this attempt to disarm them. But before the Earps actually tried to disarm them, the friend of the cowboys, who is another sheriff, uh, who was actually kind of more in favor of the rural, like, ranchers, less so than the city folk of, of Tombstone, he tried to disarm them, but didn't really, uh, and he failed in his negotiations. And they, actually, the cowboys refused to give up their guns until the Earps gave up theirs, because they knew that there was going to be some trouble. And so that that negotiation totally failed. And this is when we see... Uh, the the long walk of the Earp brothers and Doc Holliday on their way to go find the cowboys in town and take their guns. And in all the movies that that depicts the OK Corral, you can see like, it's like, I mean, the fight wasn't very long right. in general, but the walking up to it probably took like five minutes it's, of actual camera time. It's pretty great. <laughs> I mean, it's just like every Hollywood movie you see of like a western where. All the townsfolk see these these men walking down with guns on their sides, and they all scatter, you know, quickly running into the buildings, but, like, peeking behind the blinds, like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen sort of thing. They take their women and children, and they go inside. And right. They look through the, yeah. <laughs> so they go. The, the Earp brothers, they, there's three of them, and then there's Doc Holliday, and they go to try and, with the intent of disarming the cowboys. They're mm. not going there with the intent of killing them. They They... But they are also armed as well, knowing that there could be trouble. And actually, Doc Holliday gave his walking cane to Virgil so that he could hide a shotgun in his coat uh, <laughs> beforehand. So they go. And I, I didn't understand that. Like, why did he hide the shotgun when they were all clearly, like, they had their pistols? I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, my guess is maybe a shotgun is just a clearer sign of, like, <laughs> I am here to kill you sort of thing. <laughs> as opposed to the pistol maybe being... More commonplace. I don't. I'm not exactly sure the rationale behind it. Doc, what it. you got under that trench coat? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> He's a sick old man. Don't worry about what he has to say. But basically, there's this very up close confrontation mm-hmm. between the two gr- the two groups. They're actually like feet away from each other in many instances here. Mm-hmm. And they're in the OK Corral. They're actually not in the OK Corral, which is the crazy <laughs> thing. Like it's weird that they call it the OK Corral because. They were blocks away from it in a totally different part of town, but just through the stories being told over time, it kind of like, it got misconstrued exactly what happened in the first place and where it happened. Like, a lot of the witness reports were terrible because the black powder of those rifles fills the air, and it makes it very confusing to actually see what was going on, and so eyewitness testimony was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, Virgil tells them to... To, to put down their guns, we're here for the guns, tensions build up to a point to where it just breaks and all hell breaks loose and people just start shooting everybody. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, Virgil did his best mm-hmm. to try and keep the peace, but then there were, there were shots had right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, apparently the first reported shots both came from a cowboy and Wyatt Earp at the same time. Where this cowboy, he's the one who first goes for his gun and is like planning on shooting an Earp 
in, a, in the split second, recognizes that guy, goes, he's a terrible shot. I'm not worried about him. And then turns his gun to shoot a different cowboy who doesn't quite have his gun out because he knows <laughs> that guy's a way better shot. I have to take him out first. That's some quick thinking. I wonder uh, if he thought of that beforehand. Before He, he probably was, was <laughs> eyeing everyone up. But it's... It goes fast and chaotic really quickly. Yeah, which is something that you don't think about when you watch Hollywood movies. You think, like, there's these long, drawn-out uh, shootouts where everyone's in position and, and there's, like, bullets flying and bouncing off the walls. But it really did. It happened 30 seconds. Yeah, it was a 30-second fight, 30 shots approximately done in those 30 seconds. But it's an up-close sort of melee sort of situation, too, where there's not a whole lot of time to, like stare down the, the 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 sight of a rifle and take a shot. These are just up close and personal, just trying to put a bullet into anybody at that point in time. The bullets to, are flying. To slow them down at the very <laughs> least, to kill maybe. They probably could have done just as much damage if they all had a bunch of bats and were just Probably, each it would have been way, way more accurate <laughs> at that point in time. Uh, so there's this, there's the fight, and there's a lot of, the, some of the cowboys actually run away in the beginning, which evens the odds, and like one of them is unarmed and like flees and cries for like, please don't shoot me, I'm not unarmed, or I'm unarmed, and, but at the end of the fight, three cowboys lay dead. A couple of the Earps were injured. Doc was also shot, but he was not, he was fine. Mm-hmm. Wyatt Earp, totally fine. <laughs> not <laughs> a single shot. He's a, he's a legend, he just, he was somehow completely unharmed during the entire fight. <laughs> Um, but yeah, three of these cowboys died, and um, basically in the after, there was we won't go into the aftermath, but there was a string of violence that continued on between the cow the cowboys and the Earp family, and there was a sort of testimony to see like the justice behind the shootout in the first place, mm-hmm. and there was like I said, there's all this false testimony because people have like they like the Earps or they like the cowboys sort of thing, yeah. and so. And it was just such a crazy, chaotic 30 seconds that it's hard to know really what happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. But then the, the the leader of the Cowboys, or the guy who was really stirring up trouble, he tried to file like a murder charges yeah. against the Earp and his brothers, which is also something you don't ever think about in movies. You don't think about the justice system right. uh, jumping in there. But, I mean, it's still... Because it's so much mob justice in the law movies, exactly. usually. Yeah. yeah, but they he tried getting them on murder charges, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of false testimony and, uh, and pointing fingers and convicting. And ultimately, the judge uh, said that he acted with the confines of his office, yeah. meaning he was like... He was the the marshal, the sheriff, uh, uh, the lawman of the town, and so he was doing what he needed to get done. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the shootout at the OK Corral. It was a chaotic 30-second brawl of Mm -hmm. sorts. Uh, Three ended up being dead from it, Uh, but that was certainly not the end of the Earp cowboy feud, and you can go look into that, or you could watch the movie Tombstone. And you'll get the a fuller version of the story at that point in time. It's very akin to flick them up in the sense that a lot of the times when you're when you're have your guys, your lawmen, and your outlaws, you're pretty close to each other, mm-hmm. and it's not hard to aim and flick right right into somebody. And people are falling left and right and getting shot left and right. That's actually the crazy thing is it's it's way easier to hit someone and flick them up if they're close than. Like these people were thir- like feet away from one another in the in this alleyway, 
and they're, they're 30 shots and only three people died sort of situation. Like they're I, just firing into the yeah, air at that point It's like in time. the adrenaline is rushing and you're just right. like, ah! And these guns, I mean, they had huge kick to them. And so, like, unless you actually took the time to aim it, you were probably not going to hit. <laughs> I, God, I can't remember who said it. It might have been... Bat Masterson, who says that if you want to hit a guy in the chest, you aim for the groin or something like that because of the kick up from the gun, essentially. So, like, imagine in a second, like, you don't have that time to think about that. You're just going to pull the trigger <laughs> at whatever you can see, essentially. Um, uh, it was I, pretty It was pretty chaotic. Yeah. Val Kilmer in that, in Tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> <laughs> So confident. That whole movie is great. I love that movie. Go watch that movie, everybody. Or you can at least find the OK Corral scene on YouTube. So go watch mm. that, too. It's like three minutes. Yeah. Because most of it's walking. Yep. There's a lot of walking, <laughs> a lot of setup. It's good, though. OK, so we got the OK Corral. What other sort of scenarios, I guess you could say, uh, do we have? So we have a very different shootout. Again, in that short realm, 30 seconds for the OK Corral, this one is even better. Even shorter than that. It has a great name to it. Four dead in five seconds. <laughs> is the Just get right to the point. Oftentimes how it's referred to. So this also happened in 19, or 1881, but this was in April and in El Paso, Texas. And it was an interesting scene. So El Paso is very close to the border, and a huge group of uh, Mexicans rolled into town, rode into town, heavily armed, and they were looking for some stolen cattle that had been stolen from Mexico. And also the people who would probably be responsible for finding those cattle in the first place. They hadn't come back yet. And so the town kind of went about like, all right, well, we have an idea who it might be. And there's this guy, John Hale, Johnny Hale. Johnny Hale. Yeah, great name. (laughs) Who is suspected to be part of some cattle thievery, uh, a bit of a rustler. And so they go near his ranch and they find the corpses nearby. And in that same day, they find the corpses. Two people were, like, drunkenly bragging about killing these people Oof. at a bar. And so very quickly, like, within the day, they were already moving forward to getting these people prosecuted. And so there was these hearings, and there's this guy, Constable Kremkow, <laughs> who acted as the translator because he actually was fluent in Spanish. And so he had to help act as, like, a in-between for these groups. And so the rustlers were accused of the murder because they admitted to it at the saloon and people heard it. But people were not happy about this. Mm -hmm. People were not happy that they were being, like, it was a sort of guilty charge. Largely a racially, you know, built sort of problem there at that point in time. But they were charged and the Mexican posse was essentially allowed to take the bodies home for burial. And they left. They left town. And they are now no longer a part of this story. But Kremkow, uh, things didn't go great for him. Mm-mm. So he was he got into an altercation with uh, Johnny Hale uh, and his friend Campbell uh, at the saloon later on the same day that the Mexicans left. Uh, and Kremkow was shot by Johnny Hale and left bleeding against a wall. And then the marshal, Studemeyer who's ultimately our our golden lawman boy, 
uh, he was eating nearby, and he just went right to it. He uh, he saw a, a problem. <laughs> he goes, oh, problem, and dropped a sandwich, pulled out both of his pistols, and just starts shooting. It's so funny. He literally just hears gunshots and goes, I need my guns, and I need to start shooting them right <laughs> now. And I guess the reason why Kremkow got shot, by the way, is because because he was the translator. And so Johnny Hale, first of all, was getting wrapped yeah. up into this whole problem. And then people were like, you shouldn't have been doing this. Like, you went against us sort of thing. And so that's why he kind of got shot the yeah. way that he did. It's like a weird revenge. Right. Yeah. So you are you were saying, the marshal, Sudemeyer, <laughs> just starts shooting. <laughs> I imagine him, like, big, thick, gray mustache, like Fu Manchu almost a great kind picture of, of him online. Oh, I didn't get yeah. to see a picture of him, but he's, in the full he, white Oh, he's got suit. the full mustache oh, and everything. It's great. <laughs> and he's got a pocket watch hanging there. It's great. Yeah, so he just starts shooting, and and I think while he's shooting, is he's sort of figuring out what's going on because the first thing he does is he kills an innocent bystander right, uh, right. who's trying to seek cover. Yeah. Um, his second shot, he kills Johnny Hale, uh, who was also in cover, but it was just trying to figure out who was firing, and he was hiding behind a pillar, and he shoots him right between the eyes. In an instant, <laughs> he gets a bead on Johnny Hale's head and takes him down. So, so in the first two seconds, he kills... Two people. <laughs> and then Campbell, uh, he quickly tries to surrender, uh, but he gets his gun shot out of his hand uh, by uh, the, the by Krimkow, who's leaning up against the wall. Right. Uh, and then Studemeyer uh, shoots Campbell in the stomach, and then uh, Campbell uh, curses Studemeyer for shooting him in the stomach, and Studemeyer just stares at him as uh. he bleeds out. <laughs> so that's four men dying in about five seconds. Because... Uh, uh, it's Kremkow dies too here. <laughs> yeah, so Kremkow leading against the wall. So Studemeyer yeah. takes care of three people. Right. Uh, takes care of uh, uh, Johnny or Johnny Hale. Takes care of Campbell, and then accidentally shoots takes an innocent. Takes care by- of the innocent, the innocent bystander. bystander. Who knows? Maybe he was actually part of it. And then Kremkow bleeds out pretty soon after, uh, from his his gut wound. Yeah. From the saloon. So four men dead. In five, in five seconds. seconds. Approximately five seconds. Some reports go up to ten, but that's not as fun of a story. It's more <laughs> fun to think about. Studemeyer, five seconds. <laughs> he takes out three people alone. And, um, then, and then he goes back and uh, and uh, eats a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, but the, and the, the great thing is there were three Texas Rangers nearby who were like the law of Texas at the time. And they watched the whole thing <laughs> go down and didn't act at all. Because in their quote... Studemeyer had it under control. Well, he was the marshal, of right. course. <laughs> and and because the thing happened so quickly, also, like, they didn't have a whole lot of time to, like, assess the situation and think about, like, all right, what's going on? Who needs to be, like, taken out? Five seconds, four people dead, One, and then they just, two, then there's just the smoke three, afterwards, and like, oh, four, okay, we're done. Five. <laughs> oh, something's happening? <laughs> the best part, well, I mean, it's already a pretty fun story, but afterwards, someone tries to get... Studemeyer assassinated because they're upset about this whole process. And the assassin goes after him with like a shotgun and he's drunk while he goes after him. And he starts to like fall backwards and he shoots and he misses. And Studemeyer turns around and unloads his gun and in the process shoots the man's testicles off. This like he's he's just got this incredible quick draw and aim where he's hitting Johnny Hale between the eyes in a second and this guy gets his testicles blown off in also probably a fraction of a second 
Uh, God, I can't so, imagine living with him. Yeah. Hey, hey, it's okay. Stina Meyer. <laughs> so that, that attempt failed, although unfortunately for our hero, later on down the line, he does get taken out. Wow. Uh, as the these feuds have long long-standing effects on everybody involved, usually. <laughs> if they don't die immediately, they'll probably die in a year or two. Yeah, if you uh, if you kill somebody in a shootout, somebody's going to be upset about it. Right. I mean, you can't even think about nowadays if somebody kills somebody, somebody's going to be upset about it. Uh, but sometimes it was just between two people. Yeah. And very rarely. Sometimes. But right. yeah, you're right. Very rarely. When we think about it, I mean, that is such a big Hollywood thing, though, is the duel. Like, it's seen in so many movies. Two people squaring off against one another in a street. Both have their guns holstered, and then there's, like, that quick draw. You know, you wait till the clock tower hits noon. High noon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We think that it happened all the time because of that, but it totally didn't. It was very (laughs) few actual recorded instances of duels happening. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't a very smart idea, if you think about it. No, no. And we mentioned duels because in Flick 'Em Up, if you go into a building with another person um, that's not on your team, so if you're a lawman and you go into an outlaw's building, you, then you duel. Yeah. And and a duel in Flick 'em Up is you got your meeple, and it's literally just taking shots at each other, back and forth, back and you forth. slowly inch closer <laughs> to each other, too, because, again, these guns are not accurate from a distance. <laughs> you need to get close to each other to hit anything. Uh, and I think in some scenarios, actually, because you say we say high noon, and there's a clock in, in Flick 'em Up that actually signifies what turn it is and, and who goes first. And when it gets to noon, if if the if nobody's won at a certain time, I think sometimes it's actually settled by a duel, which I think is kind of that's pretty great. Yeah, it's very very Hollywood esque. Right. Um, but yeah, so so duels weren't very popular. Um, because because most of the time people were just like, hey, let's let's just call it off if somebody were to wrong you in a saloon, right. and then by the end of it, we're like, hey, listen, we're we're cool, all right? I was wrong. Your life is on the yeah, line. Yeah, your, your life is literally on the line. If you know you're not a crack shot, then right. you're not going to. And put even that the in people the... who were crack shots were smart enough to know, oh, I'm not going to go seeking out fights with other people because either I don't know how good they are, mm-hmm. or. If they are good, I'm not going to go test my skill against them. I would die at the end of it, potentially. (laughs) So if they ever did fight someone, it would be dirty, and it would be in a scenario where they knew they had the advantage. Yeah, in Hollywood movies, they just seem a lot dumber. (laughs) They were so driven by honor. Yeah. Like, honor was a big part of it, but, like, not that much. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I'd be like, okay, I'll swallow my pride. I'm I'm not going to die. I've got kids. Uh, but there was a duel that was a little famous, and that's the Hickok Tut duel, mm-hmm. uh, and that happened uh, pretty. Uh, it happened a good deal before the other two yeah. uh, shootouts that we just mentioned. This is what put Hickok on the map, essentially. Mm-hmm. The, and the stories about this. So this happened in 1865 in Springfield, Missouri. That's right. <laughs> and in in July, so you know it was nice and warm. Nice and warm. Uh-huh. Oof. And so uh, they were two gamblers, uh, Hickok and Tut, and they were they were friends. They they gambled a lot. They worked opposite sides of the Civil War, so you wouldn't think they were friends, but they were uh, they were they were buddies. They were pals. Poker brings everybody together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a games little... bring everybody together. <laughs> they had a little uh, trouble over women. Uh, Hickok uh, had a child with Tut's sister, and Tut had been trying to court Hickok's love interest, and so there's always women involved when it comes to these Wild West kind of situations. (laughs) So they, yeah, they started to not like each other as much, Mm -hmm. 
And so, basically, Hickok refused to play in games that Tut was in, and Tut was crazy. He actively went out of his way to try and sabotage Hickok. He funded other poker players. He gave them tips, like, openly at the table on how to beat Hickok and everything. sleeping with my sister. It's it's pretty crazy. And so, it, again, kind of comes back to this gambling. There was a game that went wrong, and that's what kind of brought everybody to this dueling scenario. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the game went, uh, with Tut obviously giving those, those, uh, those, like, feed money, essentially, to the players. Because he wanted them to beat Hickok as much as possible, but Hickok won anyway. So he was winning all of Tut's (laughs) money, which just makes, you know, makes it even worse for Tut at that point in time. So it made Tut mad. Tut, uh, asked for Hickok to pay up on a loan that he had before, which Hickok does, and he pays them, but then Tut's like, no, 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 I want more money. Like, hey, you give me interest, or tried to really scrap it. More money from him. And Hickok's like, no, dude. Like, you got 25. I'm paying you 25. (laughs) Yeah, everything's good. So Tut ended up taking Hickok's pocket watch and refused to give it back. Uh, And then Hickok was mocked for a couple days and then was just like, nope, not having this anymore. He specifically says... Well, it's it's yeah because Tut brags. He says, "I'm gonna wear this in the square uh-huh. tomorrow." And Tut, and then Hickok has his quote of, "He shouldn't come. He shouldn't come across that square unless dead men can walk." Uh, and so, <laughs> with Hickok responding that way, Tut felt it was he had to. His honor would be disgraced if he didn't go into the square the next day with the pocket watch on. So, couldn't be couldn't be considered a coward. So he goes the next day. He's actually wearing the watch, and. Someone tried to negotiate uh, a, a deal between them, but Tut demanded even more money now than before. He had already upped it to 35 and now he's like, now you owe me $45. And Hickok is like, no, I owed you the 25 and I paid it. Give me the watch back. And like you said earlier, they didn't really want to fight, and they're, they didn't go out of their way to fight, so they actually didn't fight right away. They went and had a drink Let's together. Let's talk about fact. this. Yeah. Get a drink. Yeah. Uh, but Tut being the, I, I don't know if it was arrogance or if it was just, I don't know. I don't know if he was just like crazy, like floating his feathers or something like that. I don't know. But he, he went back into the square with the watch mm-hmm. and then Hickok went into the square with his pistols drawn. And of course that whole classic Hollywood scene where everybody just scatters, scatters. because nobody wants to be a part of that because we know how inaccurate gun mm-hmm. shooting or gunfighting is back in the wild west. And, um. So Hickok's got his pistol, uh, and he's giving Tut one last chance to be like, hey, just give me the watch. Everything's- he actually holsters it, too. Yeah. Like, he had it drawn, which is why people scatter, because like, oh, wow, he has a gun out, and then he puts it back into the holster. Yeah, and he's basically showing everybody, hey, Tut's being a big baby, mm-hmm. and he just won't give me back my pocket watch. <laughs> and so Tut had his hand on his pistol, and then Hickok still had his holstered, but then they drew that classic, like, got your hand quick on the pistol, a quick draw. Uh, and they fired at the same time, and Tut dropped. Uh, Hickok did not get hit, and Tut bled out. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because they they both drew, but it's not that like fast draw and then shot sort of thing that you see in, in Hollywood, where it's like in less than a second there's the draw and fire. <laughs> Hickok drew and then like used his other arm to aim and like stabilize his shooting hand and everything. Like he took his time with the shot <laughs> because, because again, he knew <laughs> these guns don't work very well, and so he took the time and actually hit his mark. Tut probably just pulled Bam. and shot, missed entirely <laughs> because Tut's been watching too many Hollywood movies. <laughs> exactly, it's a classic error of the time. 
Uh, yeah, so Hickok was brought to trial, which is also, like we said before, something you just never hear right. about, especially in those high noon situations. I just always imagine that, okay, the duel happens, this person wins, and then somebody sweeps up Everyone the body. goes away. <laughs> All right. The Justice Undertaker gets served. paid by the city or something. Yeah, but he, the, the charge, he's dropped a manslaughter, but and eventually he's acquitted by a jury, and it's important to note why he was acquitted. One is the jury said Tut started it. He took the watch. He shouldn't have taken the watch in the first place. He, It's his fault, and Hickok gave him multiple opportunities to not have violence be the case, and Tut refused to take them. But there's actually a really important note here that the jury in the, the reports were that Tut went for his gun first, that he grabbed his gun first right before Hickok, and so Hickok is then seen as a self-defense act mm. at that point in time instead of... Him openly attacking Tut. Tut is now attacking him, and he's has every right to defend himself at that point in time. It's an interesting rule, and it's something that actually comes up in other games that I've played that are Western related, like Deadlands. There's a there's a dueling aspect, and a big part of the the big part of it is whoever ends up deciding to shoot first has broken the law. That needs to be clear right now. The other person is now defending themselves and has that like the law won't come after them sort of scenario. So it's, a, <laughs> it's an interesting sort of rule there. Like, that's why you kind of have that tension of, like, who's going to draw first in the duel because whoever does draw first has a better chance of winning because they'll they'll hit first if they aim, yeah. <laughs> unlike Tut. But they're the one who started it. Mm, I think that also helped the fact that he put his gun in his holster. Exactly. I think that definitely helped his case. Exactly. Uh, wow. Well, do you got anything else? I mean, this has been a pretty... Uh, pretty expansive uh, world into our look into the world of uh, westerns and shootouts yeah i i don't have anything else i just think flick em up is a great game that does a a really good job of recreating some of these fun shootouts and dueling scenarios especially if you can get that 10 people dynamic going on because you really do feel like you have your gangs and it's like okay here's the okay corral you're you're a character (laughs) too like oh i'm lucas okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna be lucas yeah (laughs) it's great so if you don't have anything else, uh, I don't got anything else. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you learned a little bit about the wild, wild west and some shootouts. Uh, if you liked listening and you, you want to hear more, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And then you'll get it every week, beginning of the week, so you can have it on your whenever you're riding your horse or going up those back trails <laughs> or maybe getting a drink in the saloon and you just need a little thing to listen to. Instead of the old-timey <laughs> piano music, it's got Beyond the Board playing. Oh, man, we should change the intro to that old-timey <laughs> piano music. But yeah, if you if you want to subscribe, that'd be great. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts, that'd be awesome. And if you have any questions, comments, or want to tell us a little bit about your favorite shootout, that'd be great. So shoot us an email. We like emails at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at goingbtb. That's goingbtb for bullets that bleed. There you go. Sure. (laughs) Bandits that bleed. Bandits that bleed. See, that's even better. Bandits that bleed. And uh, just remember that if you're if you're ever in a shootout or anything, just don't drink too much because you might uh, end up getting your testicle shut off. That was. uh...